This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Birds are all around us, and we are especially lucky because Chicago sits in the middle of migratory paths for dozens of species. You might hear their calls out your window or on a walk. But climate change is affecting when and where birds travel. To keep tabs on this, conservationists rely on data about where birds are spotted, and that's where you come in. Here to tell us about the great backyard bird count is Aaron Rowan, Senior Conservation Associate with Audubon Great Lakes. Hey, Aaron, welcome. Thanks so much, Sasha. Happy to be here. Also here is Karen Weigert, Reset's sustainability contributor. She is executive vice president at Slipstream. That's a clean energy innovation nonprofit. And she's the former chief sustainability officer for the city of Chicago. Hi, Karen. Hey, Sasha. So, Aaron, I'll start with you. Can you explain, first of all, what is the Great Backyard Bird Count? Yeah, sure. So the Great Backyard Bird Count is a global community science event that happens for four days every February. Uh, This year, it's the 25th year of the count, and it's taking place this Friday, tomorrow, February 18th, through Monday the 21st. Uh, This count also is a joint project of the National Audubon Society, Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and Birds Canada. Okay, and so tell us what people are doing in real time. Like, What is the data that they're providing? Yeah, yeah. So during this event, participants are expected to count as many birds as they can see um, for any length of time, but for at least 15 minutes during the four-day period. And then you report what you see online using eBird. Um, eBird is one of the world's largest databases, and you can use it on your phone or your computer. Karen, can you explain the idea of citizen science that's behind this great backyard bird count? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's one thing I actually love about community science bird counts. It means that everyone is invited to join so their birds can become part of this massive database that's used by scientists and conservationists. Um, It's really easy also for people of all skill levels to participate. So it's a really great way to get your feet wet if you're new to birding. Um, The tools and resources are also free. And you can even record birds you see from the comfort of your own home, or you can go out to your local public lands. And when you get involved, you're helping birds. So it's it's just great all around. Yeah, Karen, do you want to expand on that? Tell us why it's important for people who aren't formerly trained scientists to get involved in a process like this. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a great example of citizen science or participatory science. And I mean, science is really for everyone, but it hasn't always been by everyone. And so this is an opportunity really at the individual level to participate, to know that you are adding data to a huge data set, but it's also a critical opportunity to have more voices and to really get the collective insights of communities. So to ensure that we've got data from all parts of Chicago and all parts of the Midwest, because that's how scientists can actually track what's happening. And you want to make sure that your community is represented both for the data and then potentially for questions that you might have. Any other examples of citizen science that people should know about, Karen? It's really growing, and I mean, just listening at the, at the top about the changes in apps, you know, the barriers have changed with Internet and with the smartphone, so more and more people can participate. You can participate in all kinds of topics, from birds to pollution, even to space and astronomy. But locally, there are examples like the Nature Museum for 30 years has been monitoring butterflies. Um, so any topic that has a scientific basis, there's typically now an opportunity for you to participate through technology. 
I mentioned flyways in the intro. Can can you say more about what makes our location so unique in terms of the migration patterns? Yeah, Chicago is is really wonderfully located when we think about migration. And there are major flyways in the U.S. where birds are flying kind of north to south as the weather changes. And we sit right in the middle of one. And so in the migration season, there can be... You still there, Karen? Yes, there can be 100,000 birds flying in one night. Um, But we are a very large city on this space, so that's very unique that we are the one big city that is on this flyway. Well, I want to bring another voice into the conversation. Christina Harbour is a member of the network of BIPOC birders in the Chicago area that formed last year. Hey, Christina, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell us what you love about birding. Oh, I like it because I love birds. I think they are just so cute and they bring me so much joy. Um, But then also it's just a nice reason to be out in nature and it's relaxing and it's a good time. And you've been interested in birds since you were a child, right? Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. My my father's best friend gifted me this little uh, woodstock from Peanuts stuffed animal when I was like one. Oh, cool. And uh, ever since then, I loved birds, but I got really serious about bird watching probably six or seven years ago. And you're participating in this great backyard bird count. Why? Well, I love watching birds, so I'm probably going to be looking for birds anyway in my backyard this weekend. Um, I like to see what's new in my yard in, in addition to the usual you know, house sparrows and other birds. And then if I just need to report a few birds to someone, that's not really a big effort on my part. And um, it would be just really nice to contribute to, to the citizen science effort. And um, that's exciting to me. Yeah. Well, for the person listening now, Christina, who hasn't done this before, what should they know uh, if they want to participate for the first time? Um, I would say bird watching is for people of all experience levels. It's just as enjoyable if you're a beginner or if you've been doing it for years. And there are a lot of resources out there. Um, I think Aaron mentioned eBird. There's a free app called Merlin that I always recommend to people. And that'll actually help you identify the birds if you tell it where you are, um, the size of the bird, the colors. And there's just a lot of tools out there to, to help you. And it's just, it's really easy and it's fun. You can do it with your family. You can do it by yourself. So um, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, Erin, tell us why it's important to track this data before the spring migration. Yeah. So birds are really great bioindicators of habitat quality. So they really tell us how our environment and climate are changing. Uh, Winter bird counts in particular can really help scientists better understand the health of our bird populations and how they're moving and or shifting their range due to climate change. And with bird populations in decline um, since the 1960s, it's increasingly important that we understand all aspects of a bird's life cycle, not just while they're here um, in Chicago breeding in the summer, but also where they might be on their wintering grounds. Mm -hmm. Um, So with this, having a better understanding of winter bird movements, uh, their population trends and shifting ranges, it can really help guide meaningful conservation action on the ground. Um, to help protect birds in Chicago as well as while they're on their migratory journeys and on their wintering grounds. Well, you, you mentioned trends. What are some of the major takeaways or trends that we've seen from the data over the past few years? 
Yeah, yeah. So from the Great Backyard Bird Count data, it's shown us that some species like the red-winged blackbird, which is one of our harbingers of spring, uh, are showing up in larger numbers earlier and farther north in February. So some species even last year um, were almost a month ahead of schedule in, in 2021 um, in places like Maine and Nova Scotia. Um, so this data is actually kind of supporting what Audubon Survival by Degrees report has showed us, which is that climate change is definitely impacting when and where birds migrate. Um, and eventually it could prevent some birds from nesting in Chicago and the Great Lakes altogether uh, as they continue to shift their range farther north. So bird counts like the Great Backyard Bird Count, uh, Climate Watch, and even just putting your bird observations into eBird outside of these organized counts mm -hmm. um, can really help ground truth uh, what our climate modeling has predicted for birds. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking about birds and how you can participate in the 25th annual Great Backyard Bird Count that's coming this weekend. It's a global four-day effort to track bird populations, and yes, it can happen in your backyard or your neighborhood park. Our guests today are Christina Harbour of the Bike Park Birder Network of Chicago, Aaron Rowan of Audubon Great Lakes, and Reset's sustainability contributor, Karen Weigert. Coming up in about uh, just under 10 minutes on the program, we're going to dig into a new poetry collection. It's highlighting the achievements of black women, including Nicole Hannah-Jones and Simone Biles. So stay tuned for that conversation. Um, Picking up where you left off, Erin, I want to talk a bit more about the declining bird population. What exactly has led to this? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, back in 2019, we had the 3 Billion Birds Gone report that was published in Science, and it made the news, made the headlines, um, showing us that we've lost nearly 3 billion adult breeding birds in North America since 1970. Um, and there are a lot of potential reasons as to why there are populations declining. Um, climate change is definitely the number one. Um, I mentioned Audubon Survival by Degrees report. Mm -hmm. uh, that has showed us that two-thirds of North America's bird species are at risk of extinction due to climate change. Um, but the good news is that that's at a three-degree Celsius warming scenario and that our science has showed us that if we're able to take some action and address climate change now, limiting warming to just one and a half degrees Celsius, that we can help 76% of those species at risk. Um, Karen, Karen so yeah. what are your thoughts on, on this? Yeah, this is, this is amazing data when we think about human impact on our environment overall. Mm -hmm. And climate is certainly a piece of that. But it also relates to habitat. It relates to birds eating all different kinds of things. You know, some of them snatch insects from the air, some scratch on the ground, some eat seeds. And all of that has been impacted by us, by humans. And so it really gives us an indicator of that. And, you know, this, this looks into those larger topics. I mean, if you look at climate change or if you look at, for example, biodiversity loss and ecosystem collapse, that's tagged as one of the five global risks by the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. uh, and birds give us a real insight into what is happening, but also what are those things that we can do to help change course. Yeah. Is there a possibility that over time we might not see the same birds migrating through Chicago, Karen? I think there is, and I think that's the that's the question, and that's why it's so important to have this data. You know, we, Aaron was talking a little bit about how some of the timing is changing for some birds. You know, that puts them out of sync often with the food that they would like to eat because it's not happening at the same time. And so over time, these trends can head in different directions depending on what we all do. And so there are those opportunities to think about 
you know, are there local plants that can be placed, you know, throughout small parts in the city with mm-hmm. smaller parcels and larger parcels in this region? Those are ways to try to mitigate and address so that we're not having a very different conversation 20 years from now. We're more having a conversation of rebirth and rejuvenation. Christina, thinking again about people who might be new to, to, to birding, I'm, I'm struck by this sort of uh, opposing thought here because in more industrial areas of the city, there, there aren't as many trees for birds to nest on, right? And due to violence, some people might not be comfortable going on a bird walk, for instance. So what ways would you encourage people with these concerns to go out and engage with birding? Yeah, sure. So um, through our network of uh, BIPOC bird watchers, we intentionally try to go bird watching in areas that are typically, um, we call them underbirded parks. Okay. And so that's a lot of areas on the south and west sides um, because there are some really nice big city parks there. So it is safe to go with a large group. And um, that's what I would recommend. I think in those areas where there are just not a lot of trees um, just on the street, um, there's a lot of people working towards getting those trees. And I think um, everyone needs to have their voice heard and encourage the city to plant more trees in those areas. Aaron, weigh in here. What, what can folks do to make spaces more bird friendly? Yeah, it's a really great question, Um, especially with spring migration coming around the corner, which is a really stressful time for birds. Um, One thing that you can do and might be something you start to notice more as you're paying attention to the birds around you um, is trying to encourage more birds to come to your space. Um, So you can do that by planting native plants, um, either in your yard or in a container garden, um, offering birds water. They're like bird waterers that look like bird feeders uh, if you're not able to have a bird bath. Um, and also making your windows bird safe. So there's some really great information out there on how best to do that based on the latest science. Um, you can visit Audubon Great Lakes website and American Bird Conservancy's website for some really good tips. Um, I also wanted to mention that good local news for Chicago, as far as bird building collisions go, is that because the safe uh, Bird Safe Buildings Act was passed last summer, any new um, construction is going to have to be bird safe in Illinois. So that's a really great step in the right direction uh, for the birds that are migrating through Chicago. That's great. Well, before I let you go, I I do want to hear all of your spark birds. So I'll start with you, Christina. I think I'm a little strange that I don't really have a spark bird. I, 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 I apologize. You love them all. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It's, it's such a terrible answer. But um, I'll say that just my, I'll say my favorite bird. Um, I love chickadees. Um, we have a little chickadee house um, tree um, next to our, our window. And we've had nesting chickadees for two years in a row now. Oh, nice. That's cool. What's that been like? It's amazing. Um, you feel like you're maybe the, the bird parent and you are so worried about the babies and that if they survive. And it's just really amazing um, every summer when you or you know, late spring when you see them emerge from from that uh, that house and you see five or six of these chickadees. It's it's pretty amazing. That's cool. What about you, Karen? What's your spark bird? Christina's answer, and I also love this idea of a spark bird, a bird that's going to spark a conversation. Um, <laughs> and so Christina's answer for chickadee made me smile because the bird I was thinking about is actually 
a nuthatch, and when I was first learning them, they're similarly sized, and so I didn't really know the difference. I heard these names, but the nuthatch is often upside down on your tree trunk, the so that's nuthatch. how I knew what it was early on. I've got to look that up. I'm, I'm not familiar with the nuthatch. Interesting. What about you, Erin? Uh, for me, I I was lucky enough to study abroad in Costa Rica when I was in school and got to handle uh, birds as part of a research project. And the first bird I got to hold was a crimson collared tanager. Uh, just absolutely stunningly bright colors, bright red and black. Um, but I feel like any bird in the hand would be a spark bird. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty incredible, uh, an experience to have. And I, I loved uh, Christina's story about the, the black cap chickadees. I have tried to encourage them to nest in my space as well and have not yet succeeded. <laughs> so good luck to you and your future babies there. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. That was Erin Rowan with Audubon Great Lakes, Christina Harbour of the BIPOC Birder Network of Chicago, and Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. Thank you all for being with us. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.